Welcome back to another episode of Forwards Backwards Podcast from the Gimme Some Truth Studios here at the corner of Glenway and Monroe. This week on the pod, we'll discuss the Chicago Fire, Fire on the Mountain, and the Fire Starter. As always, I'm joined by the Bob Weir to my Jerry Garcia, Dan Fallon. Dan, what member of the Grateful Dead would you say is Cowboy Neil at the Wheel Hovati? Ooh, um, probably Donna Jean Godchow. <laughs> Doesn't really add much. Some, part, some uh, fans of the band prefer not to even think of her as a member. Um, kind of the eye candy, but not much substance. Yeah, I could see that. And he occasionally just screeches randomly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was singing uh, Mickey Hart. You know, if we're going to get ripped off, I feel like, you know, Dan's, uh, or Dan, not Dan, Neil, one of his relations would somehow be involved in, you know, taking all of the proceeds of our oh, money. Oh, right, because, like, Mickey's dad, yeah. like, robbed the band, right? Yeah, yeah. and then he just kind of disappears for long periods of time, like like Mickey did with the band. Uh, I was also thinking Pigpen, for <laughs> obvious reasons. You know, famous member of the 27 Shockingly, club. Neil is not here today in the yeah. studio. <laughs> and so we can say whatever we want about him. Uh, uh, I had written, by the way, the introduction for our next guest before uh, the re- recent Twitter controversy, which we can dive into. Um, and I had said uh, he was not a member of the Grateful Dead, more like the prodigy, because we could call him the fire starter, uh, both from the capo stand and on Twitter. Uh, we're joined by Kyle Carr in the booth, who is a co-founder of the Featherstone Flamingos, an out- at-large member of the Flock bar- Board, Heads up the game day ops committee and uh, is the subject of the hashtag free Kyle Carr on Twitter. <laughs> also, in his spare time, has cured cancer because uh, <laughs> he's got loads and loads of spare time. Because in addition to, to joining us, you, you podcast on your own, right? Yeah, so I do the Brew Hoop podcast, a fan-ran podcast for the Milwaukee Bucks. So started that last year. And uh, nice to say Firestarter because... I think I had the most a very interesting week on Twitter. It started with a club in my mentions yelling at me about saying they have the best fans of the league and ends with me getting suspended for calling the racist a bitch ass coward. So <laughs> I cover a wide range <laughs> of <laughs> people that want the smoke, I guess. And, and and this is shocking because if you've ever met Kyle, kind of, you know, other than on the Capo stand, just very calm, nice guy. Yeah. Can't get him riled. Twitter Different, different. Persona. I mean, isn't that kind of the point of Twitter? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's Twitter's main existence <laughs> at this point. Kind of why I got off of it, not yeah. because of Kyle in particular. <laughs> uh, if it was, oh boy, so, <laughs> this pod is going to be really interesting. The airing of the grievance, grievances comes Festivus through. Festivus already came and watched. Yeah. Kyle yeah. and I share a lot of uh, of uh, same team likes, so I think we're we're okay. okay. We're okay. Yeah. This this podcast is becoming dangerously red, but well, uh, well you know, well, we can we can leave that aside for the the sake of. Uh, our dear, dear beloved leader, uh, Andrew Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, be in my Slack DMs right after. Me. <laughs> <laughs> no outside leap talk. Uh, that uh, that uh, being said, we have a lot of stuff uh, Le- USL League One related, and in particular, one of the things we were talking about as we were leading into the podcast was, you know, we've seen Serie A has now decided to suspend matches until April third. And really, from an economic perspective, coronavirus would hit USL League One very, very differently than any kind of major leagues, right? Um, if they have to, if we get to the point where they're not letting fans in the gates, right? Yeah, and I, I, I was thinking about it on the way over here, and that I think that was my main point. And we don't want to get into 
advice or what we think about what's going on, but just, you know, this is about a team that plays in USL league one, the ramifications of empty stadiums or not playing games for USL league one are very different than the NBA Syria, where they make the majority of their money on, um, TV deals, um, marketing deals, USL league one. These teams are pretty much entirely reliant upon people showing up, buying tickets, buying beer and food. Um, so, you know, I hadn't given it a lot of thought, uh, except things seem to be kind of escalating the last 24 to 48 hours with um, things being canceled. So something for us to keep an eye on. I think we, this is giving a little bit of a preview. We we expect to have um, Stephen Short, um, who's the vice uh, yeah, one of about 600 vice presidents, presidents at the uh, USL, USL League, League One office. And he's the one, I think, uh, directly in charge of USL League One. It, you know, I don't think there's a commissioner, but he might be the closest thing that's a commissioner. And, you know, we're not epidemiologists, so we're not going to speculate on any of this. Um, but it, it's just something to consider that the economics of a club like Forward Madison very different than the economics of, you know, either the, the you know, Milwaukee Bucks, in, in your case, Kyle, as you guys have probably talked about this on, on your podcast, or Juventus or, or whomever, right? Just a different economics. And, and so it could, I mean, this is like probably Stephen Short's worst, worst nightmare, right? Yeah. Um, hopefully they have insurance um, to, to protect some of the downside, to hedge, as we say in my day job. But <laughs> y- you never know. Which has probably been a fun day for you guys. You picked the wrong month to stop sniffing glue, Keith. Who said I've stopped sniffing glue? <laughs> um, I, well, I, only quit, I, only, I, only, I only quit drinking uh, for the month. I did not give up everything. Speaking of, did you see the announcement that uh, the French government did want to let us know that cocaine is not an effective preventative against, uh, against uh, the coronavirus? Somewhere, this, somewhere the 86 Mets weep. Uh, they're really at risk, I think. The 86 Mets are like, we were doing that specifically for this. For pandemics. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say, the fact that someone tried cocaine as a coping mechanism for the coronavirus did tell me that. It was at least attempted, so bravo to our <laughs> No, what's going on in France that you start that... I mean, that's... that's Watch one... Narcos one time, and all of a sudden you're thinking, yeah, this is going to be the solution. Sounds like there's late nights and good times going on in France, <laughs> well, if you know well, what I'm saying, Keith. Well, what I like is, is uh, you know, somebody came up with... The, the, the There's a drug dealer as a marketing thing who was like, oh... It is good, the cocaine with the coronavirus. <laughs> I, I speak French, by the way. My French, fake French yeah, accent was, <laughs> is awful. Poor. Yeah. yeah, it's terrible. I have no fake French accent. So, uh, Also, we w- did want to touch on our quest to get to the 400 uh, follower takeaway, our promotion. Dan, for, for the folks at home who may not remember, what is our promotion that we're offering to the person who becomes our 400th follower. Instead of giving you something for becoming a follower of Forward Madison, we will take something from you. So you join, you follow us on Twitter. You become the 400th, 400th follower. member. We come to your house and we take something from you. And you but you get to pick. It's not like we're just going to rob you. No, well, I mean, well, well, you're if you're not robbed, there, it's just, yeah. You if you're it. not there, we, then we, we select. Yeah. Then we'll select we'll something take. to take something. Um, but if you're there, then you can choose what you want to give us. And you know, there are geographic limits, uh, you know, New York, NYC mingos, floor mingos. We we're on top of you, you know, Maldive mingo, uh, you know, somebody creating a burner account somewhere in the country. You know, there there are although the Maldives, I think we could talk ourselves into going there to take yeah, something. Yeah. 
I'd, um, I'd go to the Maldives. Yeah. We didn't have to take anything. Just go there. Flights will only be $5 at this point. Th- yeah, that, that's... Oh. Jump on a cruise and hopefully stop in the Maldives. And cruises are Mama, like, Yeah, Mama and Papa Fallon, for some reason, decided to go on a cruise on Saturday. Couldn't believe the email when I got it from them that they were still going. Um, they are not... Much like me, they are not ones to be reasoned with. So I just said to have fun, wash your hands, don't touch your face, and... Hopefully you're not stuck on a cruise ship for the next month. Well, well, and here's the thing, though. Even under the best of circumstances... Petri dishes yeah, of disease. They are just... Cruise ships. I mean, they're floating coffins. <laughs> that's, what, that's what a cruise ship is, with an open bar. Yeah. It's like a funeral. It's all packed in there. Old people... It's already a funeral. You, somebody's going to die on board of a cruise. There's also children, and children are just the epicenter of any disease known to man. They just carry it with them. So you've got kids running around on this cruise ship. Although coronavirus, apparently, kids zero to nine, pretty resistant to it. Now, are, are they resistant? Now I am, I am rolling into the epidemiology <laughs> portion yeah, of so the... May, yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe we, we just let that go. But I think there, was, there, was two, there were two words in that about why my parents are on the cruise ship, Keith, that were the most important. They started with open and, and ended bar. with bar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they were willing to roll the dice. Yeah, <laughs> like, and they don't oh, even gamble. If, if we go down, <laughs> at least we go down drunk. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, although I was talking about this today, what if you're quarantined on the cruise ship and the cruise ship starts running out of booze? That's not something I want to think Th- about. That is a postmodern horror film, <laughs> if ever I've heard one. And a recommendation: there's a novel by Tony O'Brien who wrote. Uh, uh, leaving Las Vegas, the which was turned into an yes. Oscar-winning film called The Assault on Tony's, where he imagines these drunks who lock themselves in a bar that had built been built inside of a bank vault in this like post-apocalyptic Los <laughs> Angeles, um, and kind of the 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 devolution <laughs> of these alcoholics in this in this coffin space. By the way. I'm thirsty all of a sudden. This, <laughs> getting to the end of this dry month, now that we're talking about drinking this much, being locked in a bar, open bar, boy, I'm thirsty. Depending so. on where the cruise is, if they do run out of booze, you could you could go the route we were talking about earlier with the La Cocajena. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you go. Maybe it takes a pit stop in Columbia. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's talk about something that we know <laughs> slightly less about than e- epidemiology, the Chicago Fire. Uh, who partnered with our beloved Forward Madison, announced at, uh, at uh, Thursday night at the Vintage uh, Tap Room on East Washington. They're now a, a pretty strong partner of uh, the flock and of uh, Forward Madison, and they packed the room again. Good event. Yeah, it was absolutely crowded. I got there maybe 10, 15 minutes late, and you couldn't get past the door. And it was kind of funny because I think Wojciech, he was at the door. Eli Lockby was at the door. So even they couldn't get, like, wiggle their way through to get to the main press area where they had, you know, Connor Kaloya and the Chicago Fire membership. But big turnout, probably larger than anyone had anticipated. And I think the announcement coming before then fueled it a little bit more. But it was a cool event and got to talk to everyone and get to see most of the players again so that was it was a really cool event but it was packed and you know if there's i keep going back to coronavirus that probably <laughs> could have been a disaster waiting to happen um i think we definitely outdrew chattanooga for uh, the, for the event i think there were oh, at least as many people finances uh, because of the <laughs> at least as many yeah. people at our well, announcement of a partnership than uh chattanooga was at the opening match yeah uh no the opening match they had a few more than that but i mean now we're we're looking at 
you know, half of the clubs actually, you know, we were worried about this, but half of the clubs, they don't care about attendance, do they? Uh, so they may be fine. Orlando ML- won't I mean, notice. Yeah. Toronto won't notice. Probably better for Toronto, actually. Yeah, they Fort, can keep having their games at Fort Lauderdale. Two o'clock in the afternoon know, the on that a Wednesday. They aren't actually going to field a team. Uh, is going to you know continue. I, you know, full Lauderdale. I, I won't believe it. I mean, did you see Jason Christ is is you know managing that team, and he's not going to be there for like two months of the year because he's away on Olympic duty. I mean, that's if they qualify. Yeah, as well. Uh, if there's even an Olympics. Yeah, if there's even, a, I think they've already qualified. If there's a lot of caveats on this podcast today. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're this is like you know we should get the legal stylist in just to write a disclaimer yeah. at the end. Uh, but what is, you know you were there, Dan. Yeah, uh, I was. You did not, unlike me, respected member of the local uh, media, uh, ask a question. Ecosystem. I, e- ecosystem. <laughs> though I screwed it up because I said you know. I, I misremembered the tweet they got Mo Salah to burn from uh, the Egyptian Basel. second Basel. <laughs> you want me to? I can take this if you need yeah, me to just, take it. Yeah, just go from here. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I don't actually. I'm going to go lie down. It's uh, been a long day. Dan. Of course, I don't actually remember the guy's name, but he was the basically the sporting director of Basel uh, for about eight years, uh, responsible for, for discovering Mo Salah. Um, which is a really interesting story because it was when Egypt was in the midst of their civil war. Their league was shut down, and I believe they brought over the under-23 team to to um, Switzerland to play some matches. And um, Mo, I think, uh, had a very good, literally like one 45-minute half against uh, Basel's first team, and they immediately signed him from that. So obviously the guy can spot talent, had a very successful run at Basel. I think they won... They won multiple titles. They uh, made it to the last 16 of the Champions League, I think at least once under his under his uh, reign there. Um, he looks Jorg like, Heitz. There you go, Jorg Heitz. Yeah. Um, he appears to not like Malort, which is probably a good thing, because I've heard Malort is which heinous. Which I'm surprised he still has a job because of that. <laughs> well, w- w- I mean, with the number of international folks up on the dais there, I mean, giving him a lot, we could be brought up on human rights charges. Quite <laughs> frankly, there are some. I mean, that stuff is is gross. Uh, but you know, I know, you acquire a taste for it, I suppose. Uh, no, I don't no, think so. no. Uh, you know, uh, I have not acquired that taste, but maybe people do. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's. I mean, Kyle, what would you describe the taste as? It's just not good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I can compare it to anything because every time I take it, I just automatically grimace. It's just, it's not good. I'm trying to think of the worst alcohol I've had. I think Vern Stenman, one of the uh, the owners of the club, when I talked to him a little later in the evening, he said, his quote was, it really stays with you. <laughs> you can't even chase it. <laughs> he said it he did it. Line. He chased it with the beer. And he's like, about 10 minutes later, he said, I could still taste it. It was yeah. still there. Oh, boy. So, you know, good, good scout of talent. And that's one of the things that uh, they were, you know, really hoping for is to, to get a pipeline up to, to Madison, I think, as well, with a little bit more consistency in terms of the amount of time that guys were going to be with the club. I mean, they won't say it, but we can say it. It was annoying to us as fans with the, the, the Minnesota United relationship when you know Wyatt and Connor were brought back midseason for a, an exhibition game. Um, and and yeah. so there, I, you know, the club is hoping for a little bit more consistent 
loan policy, I think, you know, getting some of that local talent. And the fire has really a, a very strong development program. Well, yeah, now that, I think that's my the most exciting thing for me um, is, you know, I'm quickly looking here. They have 15 players that they've homegrown players that have graduated from their academy and are still playing professionally. Um, so, I mean, you know, them, Dallas, I think are kind of looked at as the Red Bulls. Red Bulls, yeah. Those three have always been kind of looked at as having the most um, successful academy programs. And, you know, where we're at as a club in the third division, that seems to be a good fit in terms of they probably have some players who are ready to push on to that next level, might not be right right about ready to play for the first team. Um, so I think, I think it's a great opportunity. I mean, just the fact that they came up here, showed up, you know, did a shot of Malort, showed how i think how committed they are to this i'm not this isn't to say that minnesota wasn't but i you got a sense throughout last season that it wasn't exactly what everyone was hoping and i think on maybe on both sides so i would say i feel like on minnesota side it was more the like with heath primarily it seemed like heath was more the guy that kind of treated madison as more of an afterthought yep while you know like manny lagos was there and he, I think he was one that wanted that relationship right. to work and he had the long-term relationship with Peter he had known right. Peter Wilt for years so then I think that was more the issue it was kind of like he didn't really view it as an afterthought because now Minnesota's I mean they still loosely have an affiliation with Ford Madison but it doesn't sound like they're getting anything soon and that would probably have to be something that Jeff Ruder would have to double check on but with Chicago yeah you mentioned they come up they double they hang out with us I think they want to make this partnership work as much as Madison does because yep. it seems like it's something that both sides will benefit from. Chicago get their academy players and homegrown players to get some playing time. We are able to get some talented youngsters in the roster as well. And I think more in terms of the branding and kind of the clubs working together. And, you know, you see it with the Chicago Red Stars coming up here as well. Yep, It's just that ability to have the two clubs, and it's not that far of a drive, thankfully. So just having those two clubs work together and share kind of that networking event. I guess it's more of a networking thing in my eyes, but yep. it's still going to be beneficial. One, they had announced, you know, that members of the technical staff will be up here, you know, and I think they've kind of put that into the agreement from the, you know, the Chicago I thought I read somewhere that someone reported they're gonna, there's going to be someone from their technical staff at every one of our matches, yep. which, I, yep. you know, um, we'll see how that rolls out over the course yeah. of the season. But um, even, you know, you know, Adrian Heath didn't even come for the friendly against us. So, yeah. um, and well, again, I'm not trying to like throw shade wanna, on Minnesota. Well, and, and so the, the understanding that we have is that, you know, Minnesota United is free to loan as players like anybody else. <laughs> um, but there's, you know, right now, no, you know, special relationship uh, on the books. Um, and that was my favorite tweet that after the, after the news came out that all of a sudden Minnesota sends a tweet. We're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we can still send players there. And I was like, yeah, well, anybody can still send us players. <laughs> you know, and, and look, we can probably debate the merits. It's an open of, relationship. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can debate the, the merits of Adrian Heath. Uh, that's a whole separate podcast. But, you know. He's got a stranglehold on that club now. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. he's got paying dividends. So yeah, far. he's got no. I mean, that that is the thing, right? Like he, it's all him now. So if they if they yeah. do well, he gets yep. to bask in the glory. But um, you know, I'm highly skeptical of anyone with a British accent um, that you know is coaching. <laughs> well, he played uh, for a certain club that we should probably shouldn't talk about out loud. So there's always that reservation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know that that's. The, I mean, that's, he's British. That's why he has a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> we don't oh, you're that. just saying because he like wants to play four four two, get it wide. 
get it into the mixer in. like from like yeah. 1990s. Yeah, I mean, guys would show up from look, England to our Allardyce style of playing. Uh, oh yeah, I I watched. I had a strange obsession for a while. Uh, where I would watch uh, YouTube videos of like behind the scenes coaching documentaries from England, particularly from the late 90s. In the late 90s, they were still serving fucking tea at halftime. Sounds pretty re- re- pretty know, refined to me. Yeah. Uh, well, have you seen a lower division locker room? It was not at all refined. <laughs> um, but but it's just a, like to my mind, it's like you know, there's sports science could use some catching up, and so you you know you get a lot of these guys that I, I just don't think. Sam Allardice being a prime <laughs> example. You know, and we've gone way off the topic here, which is our lovely relationship with the Chicago Speaking Fire. of lower division soccer team <laughs> locker rooms, yeah. Keith and I really do appreciate Nizzy's oh, locker. Is... If you if you watch the video where they gave out the, uh, where Paulo and uh, um, Pato. Pato got their awards, Nizzy's locker is kind of like, in the middle of the locker room, it's amazing. Like he's like literally, Everybody else he's, the, the, walls on the, he's the hub and they're and all the spokes Nizzy in the middle. <laughs> the, you know, basically the youngest guy in the locker room last year. And Connor's like, no, you got to put, you got to put the glue in the center. We, t- we talked to turbo about this on, on Saturday during the inter squad scrimmage where we saw the first of the Chicago fire uh, players. We saw Dan Kyle did not Kyle showed up when it was nice and warm at the, at the bar afterwards which I respect greatly. Well, yeah. uh, you know, I could stand outside and watch a scrimmage, or I can stay at home with my son and watch Bundesliga and other leagues, and then show up later and have beer. Why show up for the thing until if the beer's not going to come till later? That's. I, 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 I'll I, give him that. You know, but we're respected members. We're putting in the work, Dan. People we're, don't think <laughs> we're putting in the work. Also, it did. We did have a conversation there uh, that I wanted to bring up. I was reminded of how little Dan actually does in terms of prep for the podcast because literally we had a text before the podcast last week. I went to, and it was like, "Hey Keith, who was the mean one on match of the day?" Arsenal player, yeah, Arsenal center back, mean one on mar- match of the day, and we literally did the same banding back and forth that you and Andrew did, and I, I had realized that you know you had not bothered to look it up. <laughs> In the interim, like, oh, I want to, you know, mention Martin Keown on the podcast. Did I bother to look it up? No, no, of course not. And I was just figuring Keith would do the work for me. I think um, here's what I'm going to say. I think the issue was that by the time I went to watch Match of the Day for that week, this, <laughs> the highly illegal stream that I watch it on <laughs> had already been taken down. Um, so I missed that episode where I would have been like, oh, right, Martin Keown. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. Anyway. Blame blame the, the, the Latvians who do your streaming. <laughs> Look, Reddit got rid of all their streams. It's hard to find good streams out there. Uh, well, this is one of the reasons why we're still friends with Optali. Optali <laughs> is the illegal stream king. Um, one of his many talents. That's also why we try not to reveal his identity. Because, you know, I think he's got multiple VPNs going. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's some strange stuff going on. He did move from Madison to Milwaukee, like, in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you never know. But we saw at that intra-squad scrimmage, uh, Andre Reynolds the second Two sticks, yeah. Dose. Dose. Uh, uh, Ariaga, Ariaga too. <laughs> uh, and, oh my. I'd ask Kyle what he thought, but he didn't get to see him. But, oh my. Yeah, huh? yeah, left back, um, 18 years old. Um, I basically walked in to watch him, uh, J.C. Banks, 
play about a 60-yard diagonal ball across the field right onto his foot. First touch, put himself right out into space, went right at the defender, great little ball into Pato, and Pato buried it. I mean, I, I'd been there for maybe two minutes, and that happened, and I think they'd already connected. To, to Paulo, not to Pato. Paulo, sorry, to Paulo. Uh, and I think they'd already connected uh, previous to me getting there. Um, yeah, he looked great. He looked... Um, he doesn't look 18. Um, he, he fit right in. Um, all of a sudden, I mean, and again, we have no idea if he was just up training for the day or what, what the long-term story is for him, but uh, maybe you do. I, I, uh, you know, the suggestion on the, the Twitter feed from the club was that he's going to be there for a while. Like, well, that was the fruit that they had mentioned. Well, you then, don't follow Twitter anymore, do I you? Don't, so, I don't. It's, it's fine. Trust me. <laughs> now that I'm back on Twitter, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah. except like the day after I left Twitter was when, uh, Elizabeth Warren's dog ate the burrito. Oh, yeah. And I was like, this is why I need to be on Twitter. <laughs> this is, this is the reason right here. <laughs> slapping me in the face. Dogs I want to watch burritos. a presidential candidate's dog eat a burrito. Uh, um, I'll bring Gio over and I'll try and make that happen. Then I'll <laughs> yeah, take it to the yeah, bed, right? Yeah. But what he, I really like to <laughs> can do that for you. Getting back to the game. What I really like that having him at left back, cause that was an area we were a little concerned about with Pato kind of on all these uh, trials, which it looks like he'll be back. But all of a sudden there's competition now at the outside backs with Pato, um, Andre, uh, Eli Lockerbie, um, Carl Schneider, I assume, will kind of project to play there. Giro could play there. Giro can play there. So that all of a sudden becomes, I think, a position of strength. Um, I mean, overall, my take was... was Eli Lockerbie, by the way, shorter than I expected. I mean, I I saw his height when he was signed. 5'8". I thought he was like 6 foot. I didn't think we signed anybody in the defense that wasn't now like 12 feet tall because we got to see... Josiah Trimmingham, who is a force. And I mean that he, his voice carried through a pretty empty Bree Stevens field. <laughs> there were not a lot of us on a, you know, rather uh, chilly, nippy uh, Saturday nice morning, 1030. Um, we were in the sun. It was fun. Yeah. It, no, it was a wonderful, you know, the camaraderie. Yep. Um, you know, we talked about the, the coronavirus um, the club's new crackdown that we will no longer be able to make out with players after the match, um, which is kind of Hard disappointing. Hard times for Louis. Yeah. Um, Louis Beignet. Both Louis Beignet and, and Louis, Louis Beignet. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, you know, Trimmingham, uh, as we commented, big dude, but the I wouldn't want him yelling at me because that, that voice, wow, it carried in. So you get a sense of him as being another leader there with, with Turbo, who is, I think, still playing his way into fitness, yep. getting his way into, into shape, as well with Jalen Fiat Chrysler in the back line. You know, you've got another leader there that I think can help marshal the unit, which is great and really nice since, you know, last year we had vocal leadership out of the goal with Brian and, and Ryan, and we're still, you know, we had our, our, our Nashville gas station goalkeeper there who put yep. in a pretty good shift. Yep but we still don't know for sure what the number one is going to look like, who's going to be there. So I think having that extra leadership in the back four is going to be helpful. Yeah, and I think it's going to be – I know that's been my biggest concern is who is going to be in between the sticks just because you had two high-quality keepers yeah. last year, and now you're going and it's like, I don't know who's going to be. If this trialist that you picked up at a gas station in Nashville or whatever works out, perfect. It sounds like – relatively impressive didn't allow a goal against st louis last week yep which is encouraging to see but saved a pk yeah saving the pk always goes a long way in my book so i'm 
I think this it'll be the same thing once it's all settled. There'll be two high quality starting keepers, but right now it's just we don't know who it's going to be. Yep. And I mean at least the couple of the goals I saw um well the goal the goal I just described, he had I mean I, not his fault. Uh you know, it's basically 1v1 from 6 yards out. Uh, Apollo slid it home. Um the other goals actually I think he was out at that point after that. So that was the only goal I saw him give up. Um but yeah. So other, but overall that, um, you know, it definitely felt like a scrimmage. It was very attacking minded. Yeah, there you, was some yeah. little bit of sloppy play here and there. Um, yeah, guys were, you know, there was, there were, but I will say that what I wouldn't call it the starting 11. Cause I think the midfield in particular, probably there were some, you know, it looked like a kind of a starting back four and a starting front three to yeah, some was, degree. Yeah. Um, and then some, maybe some actually Nizzy playing in the six, um, but there was some good combination play. There was some good attacking play. There was already some good understanding. Wojciech uh, uh, Voj- um, had a goal in the second half, I believe, if I remember yeah, correctly. And, and he is a he, he he's a proper finisher. I yeah. mean, you you just you see him in the box, and you're you're like, this is this is a number nine. And it was a striker's finish. It kind of came in off his. It was a ball in that he kind of whacked in with the inside of his knee, kind of upper calf. Yeah. Um, those are the kind of goals you love to see a striker putting in just like, I'll just bury it with whatever part of my body I need to get it in with. So, um, yeah. Um, you know, you were talking a little bit about the, the overall flow of it. You know, it's hard in preseason. I think it was, I was pleased with how much two and three man play we saw together. You're still not going to see the full 11 playing as a cohesive unit this early in the, in the preseason. I mean, they, They've been together now for about three weeks. Um, you know, I, I think they're probably a little further along when they get 11 v. 11 and 11 starters. But, you know, there's still some positional things. Um, you know, uh, Michael Vang train, the G is silent, uh, was really impressive. But shape-wise was, was drifting a little bit out, I think. And, and so those are things with a 19-year-old player that are going to take some time to, to work on, and there's still some some trialists floating around and, and so on and so forth. So um, for an inter-squad scrimmage, I was impressed with that. Any, do you want to – can we address the Vang train? Because this is, you know, the G is silent. The first time you saw him in person, and do you want to say anything? Do you want to Do you want to save this for your – any comments at the end? No, Dan, <laughs> I don't have any comments – segment this time uh no i was it was very nice to see him uh out on the pitch wearing the colors he had his hat on it was a little chilly um but i think there were just there were flashes of exactly what i'm excited about getting the ball turning facing goal and going at people and then trying to pick out a pass there was one little outside of the outside of the right foot pass he tried to slip into don it was a great look defender cut it out but i mean i think that's the kind of thing that he's that's what his game is he's he's going to be a 10 um create goals go at guys and find those little balls that kind of cut defenders out of it um so yeah i, I you know again early days um but you know it was, it was exciting to see him yeah I, I mean i think the the talent is there it's just a matter of you know getting them to to play together and improve and you know i think Daryl has over time shown that ability to, and we saw it last year, right? The team got better as the year went on. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm never going to be the one claiming that we have the best team in all of 
you know, League One after watching a preseason match, uh, unlike perhaps others. But I was I was su- pleasantly surprised and, and pleased with what we saw. So anybody, uh, Kyle, you're excited to, to kind of catch going into the... A lot of smiling going on. I've been trying to refrain myself because uh, do I really need to go down that rabbit hole again? No, let's not go down that rabbit <laughs> there hole. Was just, well, I, I was just I was guys. There, uh, one way I was doing a little subtexting. How was that? Sound? There is one one uh, one position I did want to talk about is maybe again in a in a, not to be like oh we're the you know give a little bit more like reality to the situation you know a lot Daryl sat here and. Well, when did we interview him and when did it air? That's always the hard I thing with this pod. interviewed him in December and we... Aired, aired it in, in July? Uh, it's coming out next July? Yeah. It, okay. No, it was the one from the vault. <laughs> it was in January. So he talked about the six and that, that you know, that was a position they wanted to get more production out of and, um, you know, that Eric grew into the position over the, throughout the season, but, you know, maybe he's kind of more suited to play center back. Um, that still looks like a position that they're, again, this is pure speculation sitting there watching the, the tryout, but Nizzy was playing on the one side. Eric uh, was in the six on the other uh, side. No, he was playing center back. No, he wasn't. Uh, in the it, second half he was. Yeah, but in the first half. He okay. Was so he was six. playing center back. Okay. So, or six. So, um, still an area that, you know, I, I it's going to be interesting to watch that develop over the course of the season. Is that an area we're still looking for a player in? Um, is it Eric's to lose? Is Eric still kind of battling for that spot? So that'll just be interesting to watch. I mean, I think that that still kind of remains um, one of the open questions. I guess the thing that I would, would be curious on is Eric was so good in that role last year. Why take him out of it? And maybe that's just Daryl trying to find other parts and still get Eric on the field as much as possible. Yeah, Because Eric can still jump high enough that you would think he was six foot. Just, <laughs> just based on how high he can yeah. jump, you would think yeah. that. But I think that's going to be interesting with, I know you're going to mention what players I'm excited for. I want to see how Louie and Brandon do this year, especially yep. with both of them being healthy and Louie having time to settle. I think they are going to be the two that, if Eric isn't going to play up the six and he's going to move the center back, those are the two guys that I think would take that starting spot. Yep. And if Nizzy can take it as well, that'd be great as well, because I feel like JC is going to take a number 10. And then you can kind of rotate between Mike Vang and maybe Louie and Brandon at the eight. But then who takes that six if Eric's not there is going to be the big question that I'm curious about. One And one of the things that we've talked about on, on the pod is the kind of disappearance of the 10. And so I think you could ideally see Mike Vang or whomever pairing with JC where they're both playing that eight role. Um, because I think just putting JC in a, in a 10 takes away – his amazing ability to be in the right sp- spot at the right time. I yeah. mean, he just has a great soccer brain, I think. And, and so his ability to read the game, um, you know, Daryl didn't admit as much when we interviewed him, but he's a guy that makes you as a manager look smart because of how well he, he reads the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think we might see like two, two eights, you know, and if it's Fang, if it's uh, Eaton, if it's uh, Bennett, you know, in that other eight role. And then they, you know, one of them takes the lead on the attacks on occasion, or one of them has a more advanced defensive role. Cause last year we defended out of kind of a four, one, four, four, one, one. Right? Yeah. That's, yep. that's 10 people, right, Dan? Yep. Uh, so, uh, with, uh, Josie in Alca- Spain, it would be a one, four, four, <laughs> one, one. You never leave the goalkeeper out. The goalkeeper is part of the formation. Um, and Why are you shitting on your own? Which is, you know, interesting because as well, like, uh, you don't, you know, the first floor is actually our second floor in Europe, right? You have the ground floor and then you have the first floor. So we leave the, you know, you leave the goalkeeper out. 
And yet you include the, you know, you start at, you include the ground floor differently. It's very confusing to me. Yeah, this is definitely overriding cultures that I'm not following. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but um, you know, uh, defending out of that, and you had Josie L in the, in the hole defending. And so it'll be interesting to see who ends up occupying that kind of second spot if we defend out of the 4-4-1-1. Four, four, one, one. I will wonder, though, Jamil Cox, it seems like he's someone that could be that 8, could be that 10, but could also be an attacker. And I don't know... I don't know how if he was in part of that scrimmage where he was and how he played. Well, well interestingly, I mean, Dan, did you notice that he kind of lined up outside backish for a while? Yeah, I think numbers wise, he he may have been playing outside back. I think from what I understand, he's there to kind of push Don and Paulo. So I think he's kind of one of the outside attacking players in yeah. the three. And that leads to the other question that we asked Neil last week, and we kind of got an answer of, well, we'll we'll do it by committee, but. We don't have another number nine. Um, there was, a, I believe, a trialist playing for the one. So Wojciech was playing up top for the one team, and then I think there was a trialist for the other team. Um, again, saw the guy play for 45 minutes, but he was relatively non-existent in the match. Um, and I don't think we want to go into the season with a, with a, with a backup number nine who's a trialist. But, um, so that seems to be another area that could be strengthened as we move forward. But yep. as, I've, as I've noted many, many times before, finding number nines is not as easy as most people will try to tell yeah, you it is. Yeah. Uh, no, and that's, I mean, get, just seeing Vosh so far, I mean, I'm really impressed that, that we've got him, uh, to be quite yep. honest with you. So we'll, we'll see. And hopefully, you know, he plays really well for us and, he, and we can sell him on for a new USL League One record again next year. Um, you know, that'd be nice. Uh, so uh, we, we've kind of covered around these things. Good thing that Neil is not here today, so we don't have to waste time, you know, listening to whatever gobbledygook he contributes because uh, we're really excited to have Kyle here because he has played an important role in a number of things in Forward Madison's history. Uh, Kyle, give us that Twitter handle that's back up. Oh, it is at Kyle Coche. Coche is Spanish for the Coche. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Because uh, apparently Kyle Carr was taken because there's three, at least three of them in the world, and one of them is playing in Chattanooga stealing my identity. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, With the dirtiest who, mustache I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, don't get in that guy's van if he's got that mustache. Um, and so a couple of the things that you've helped start it, you were instrumental in kind of getting the, the flock off the ground. Uh, but you also helped found the the Featherstone Flamingos. So, uh, in in kind of today in Forward Madison history, what were you doing uh, about now for for the you know Featherstone? How did that come about? You know, we've had uh, Chris on the the pod, and we're going to have April on here in the near future as well. But you know, you can you can take all the credit here while you're here. I'll take some of the credit, at least in terms of not getting suspended on Twitter for that account. <laughs> I'll take credit for that, even though April does most of it. Um, at this point last year, Featherstone wasn't really a concept at this point. And I didn't know Chris. I didn't know April. I think I may have just met April at this moment. So the idea of Featherstone wasn't really there. But in terms of the flock, I was kind of just helping out with as much as I could, whether it was helping with their Facebook or Instagram pages you know, helping with charity and outreach, match day ops, just trying to do as much as I could to get involved as much as I can, just because after the video that was displaying the team name, the logo, Andrew had messaged me shortly after saying, hey, do you want to be more involved? And do you want to, you know, help out as much as I can? And I attended a couple of board meetings, talked to Andrew, just like I said, doing as much as I could in the short term. And it kind of 
it was the Marquette trip actually that kind of started the match day ops capoing side of it that I really took like trying to think of how to phrase it like kind of took full control and got more comfortable in so at this point it was probably just doing whatever I could but also knowing that Marquette was around the corner just being excited for that and I, we're trying we've not done the research on remembering exactly when that Marquette trip was I, I seem to you know, remember it was about Last the year. 21st uh, again. <laughs> it was late in March. It was we probably right the, around yeah. the same time yeah. frame. I don't yeah. think that it was... 23rd, something yeah. like that. Um, now, this is something I think, and, and probably part of the reason you get a little worked up on, on you know Twitter about this, is a lot of work goes into match day hops, right? I mean, it's not, you know, Dan and I just show up um, and, and yell, but for you guys that are, are doing the stuff... It's a lot more work, right? Uh, you know, last week Andrew was talking about last year at this time doing ten by ten, you know, two uh, poles, two poles yep. in his office at work. Um, tell us from you eight know, to five Monday through Friday. In, <laughs> yeah, going into a you know into a typical match, you know, what what's what's that look like for the ops committee? I think the biggest thing there's kind of two sides of it. So there's the audio side of match day ops, which that's your capos, that's your drummers. We're going to have a trumpet introduced, which I'm excited for. So that's where that side of it comes from. That's love our, brass. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, Brock, if you know him, he's going to be the one heading that. But awesome. In terms of that side, is making sure that there's song sheets printed so people know the words to the chants. Now that we have an app, we can save a lot of paper, and I don't have to go to FedEx every Friday morning getting that. Um, setting up the drums, making sure that in terms of the sound quality, we have everything set. And then on the other side, you have the visual. So if we have a TIFO, how are we going to display it? When are we going to display it? What are some of the instructions that we have to give out? Um, the flags, who's going to be in charge of waving flags? What flags do we want to have out there in terms of at the stadium? What flags do we want on the march? Um, we didn't have that many two poles later on in the season. We would have it for the march, and then we would kind of put those away, but that might change this upcoming year. And then we also want to have, have banners displayed just because a lot of the criticism, not necessarily criticism, but a lot of the feedback was you see that chain link fence and yeah. it's like, how do we find a way to make it so that you don't see the fence and on the flock end, how do we make our presence a little bit more known? And Andrew has talked about dual witch ha Hamlet, which is, a very lower league team over in England, and yep. they have kind of like some signage over in their supporters' end, and that's something that we would want to incorporate as well. So in terms of just how Also much, pink and blue. And it's also pink and blue, which goes a long way. So in terms of the prep that goes into it, that's just on match day. So, you know, from start to finish, I would say it takes hours because you got to get everything set up in terms of bleachers, make sure the capital stand's in the right spot, make sure the capital stand is still not loose and will fall apart at any moment. And then you go to the tailgate, get ready for that, get to the match, and then you still have to take down. So it could be, you know, almost a whole day's worth of work. And that's just on match itself. That's not even including everything that takes place behind the scenes, which is what I'm trying to oversee. And that's, especially this off season, as Andrew said last week, we wanted to do things better than we did last year because we knew what we were capable of was just making it up as we go. And now this year, it's like we're trying to have an org like trying to have organization and structure. So trying to make sure that behind the scenes, we still get as many people to volunteer as possible. We still make sure that we're practicing with the drummers and the capos know what hand signals to use to communicate between the stands. Decided what chants we want to keep and what we want to get rid of. Because if you looked at the website last year, there was a lot of chants that we had up there. But we never did it just right. because it was so difficult to teach it or it was difficult to get the fans involved, whether it's too many words or I know there's My Dear Mingos, which is over in Pastichas. And that one, 
everyone wants to sing it in a sing-song kind of way and makes it sound like it's cheery, and then you hear the video example, and it's like intense and intimidating. So it's just, those are the minute details that you don't really think of if you're you know, just showing up and sitting in the, cap, in the flock end and just singing the chants, but when it's the capos and trying to plan it, that's kind of stuff that we have to realize. So it's definitely taken a lot of my time, which <laughs> I think my wife both loves and hates. <laughs> she loves it because then it's at least something to distract me, but she hates it when I'm gone for three or four days a week trying to make sure things get done. <laughs> and, and so, you know, you, you have another board meeting tomorrow night, right? Thank you, if, Mrs. Coche. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, if, we, if we get this out, uh, you know, before tomorrow, you guys have another meeting tomorrow night, right? We'll have a board meeting Wednesday, um, kind of reiterating stuff. We have our capo, not capo, sorry, our TIFO design for the home opener. So we have a design, we have a concept, and we're going to start getting dates scheduled to trace and paint. So be on the lookout for that. In terms of our social media, we're going to have the location, have the dates, and that way if anyone that can help out, help out and paint, that would be super appreciated because it's going to, it's going to be a large TIFO and it's going to take a lot of work. So, uh, Dave, it's, it's, a, it's I, a 3D guy tucking in his shirt. That, that is, it's it a is, plague doctor tucking. It, 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 oh, man. Tucker snug <laughs> by the plague doctor. <laughs> taking over the nation. That big tuck energy. It's gonna it's gonna sell out in a heartbeat. I will get all of the all of the uh, Lands End carry all sacks that I can made out of that out of that TIFO. I will be handing them out at Christmas. That big tuck energy to my whole family of tuckers. We're we're a family of tuckers. Uh, by the way, follow my parody account, not run by me at Snug Tucker. Uh, and uh, cool bro, yeah, and also Senior Cool Bro. I got uh, I saw that, and when I saw the. <laughs> Tucker one, I was I sent to Andrew. I was like, "What the hell is this? What is this nonsense?" <laughs> gold, like, Jerry, gold. What you're talking oh, about? Man. And then I get the cool bro, and it's like, I hate all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I had to be like, "Why am I leaving Twitter?" Uh, you you left at the wrong time. If there's one, I mean, because I, just as Twitter turned the corner, <laughs> that is one of my few complaints. Is there's too many parody and burner accounts on <laughs> with Ford Madison and the flock that I don't know what is real and what isn't real at this point, and what's parody and what's not parody. I think uh, Kuba said the other day. Well, and this may have been before the Snug Tucker and the uh, Cool, cool uh, Senior Cool Bro that there's something along the lines of like 35 unofficial forward Madison related Twitter accounts that's, out there that are not a person. That's yeah. 33 right? too many. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, FC Belvedere Oasis is still my favorite. I don't know if that one counts. Yeah. I mean, that, that one still my jersey. greatest, still oh, my yeah. greatest clip art. Oh work no. Of all the best time. is, is probably the head of, uh, Peter Wilt on the motorcycle diary. Che Guevara, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, Thank or you. Thank or you. all of us in in Yenta. Y- Yentel. Yentel. Yeah. Uh, that was that was good stuff. Uh, now uh, we have our opening match. We go to Richmond, which is the first leg of perhaps the most famous trophy in all of USL League One. I would say, in terms of prestige, surpassing the championship trophy. Not just League One, all of America. <laughs> All of America is going to be the biggest trophy in the United States. In in any sport. Yeah. It, it is it's on, the most acrylic. It is definitely the most acrylic and it's <laughs> definitely the most when you're carrying it around, people give you weird looks. 
I mean, I've never carried the. Super it's kind Bowl. of like the ashes. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like if, if you were carrying someone's urn, and they're just like, <laughs> I don't want to ask, but I, I want to know. <laughs> so that that is that is the Henny Trophy of the Henny Derby. Uh, you which are we've won how many times? Once. Just once. Well, technically once. Oh, I thought we. Was it contested earlier in the season? So, well, that, how, oh, sorry. Tell yeah. us the story. Yeah. Origin story. So, sorry. Going into the matchup against the Richmond Kickers, Elliot over at River City 93 had messaged me on Twitter. Another good reason to be on Twitter. And he had asked, do you want to put a wager for this match? So for gambling is why I wanted it to was, be on Twitter. It was, yeah, gambling and there's booze involved. So I was like, yep, I'm in. Winner gets a bottle of Hennessy from the loser. Easy enough. Madison lost, so that kind of sucked. So I had to buy a bottle of Hennessy and ship it down to Elliott down in Richmond, Virginia. Not the best time, but then thankfully Madison played, I think it was like two weeks later. Madison won that one, so then Elliott did the same thing, got me a bottle of Hennessy. Gotcha. Boy, if you guys had just thought through this, you could have sh- saved yourself the shipping. Really. <laughs> well, he sent me money on Venmo. He's like, here, just buy it yourself because I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> Which was probably the smartest thing on his part, yeah. just Venmoing the money. Well done, Elliot. Yeah. yeah. He's the smarter of the two of us, obviously. <laughs> um, and then it got to the third match. Also didn't break any federal laws, which you did. No. I, <laughs> there are loopholes. I don't know if I should say it on here. We'll talk to the legal stylist after. Yeah. There are loopholes. <laughs> I know one of them is always use FedEx. Do not use the post office people if you're shipping booze. Oh, see, I couldn't go through FedEx. They would not allow it. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not uh, trying uh, to get rusty. Make sure the back of the box, next, yeah, box is packed before you get there. Our <laughs> podcast that the legal stylist doesn't want you to hear, we'll discuss shipping drugs through <laughs> La Cocaina. <laughs> so, to people on cruise ships. <laughs> for the open bar. Yeah. <laughs> so then it got to the third match, and that one was in Richmond, and Elliot was having a heritage night, so he invited Featherstone, so myself, April, and Chris. And then the club was doing their eruption tour at the same time, as Dan knows. And it kind of just became this big phenomenon. And we get there, and Elliot is holding this empty bottle of Hennessy that is, you know, decorated. Looks, I don't know how to describe it. It looks, it's gold. It's very gold. It's true. Seen it. It was going with winner gets this trophy. Madison won, thankfully, that as well. So. We were able to, I know the guys at For the Culture presented us the trophy. <laughs> the base was already falling apart by the time they got it. <laughs> so that's kind of how the Henny Derby started and the trophy. So now that was the first match that the trophy was on the line. Gotcha. Okay. Going into this year, it's just going to be out of, the, I think they play three times. So whoever wins the most keeps the trophy. Okay. If, say, Madison wins one, Richmond wins one, and they draw one. We keep it. We keep it. It's like the, So we're not um, doing aggregate. You know, he Elliot was saying maybe goal differential, but I was like, well, if they draw, e- I mean, mate, we're still working out those. <laughs> I just want to go with tie goals to the winner because that means we keep, keep it, it so yeah. then it stays in my house where yeah. it currently is at the moment. It, oh, good, it's back to your house because for a while, wasn't it like uh, circulating through the Ford Madison offices? Not that one. No. Okay. Well, it made an appearance at the end of the season because they had all their other trophies. <laughs> Um, was the actual with a lowercase t in the where's was there a third bottle of Hennessy traded or was that drank at the tailgate? Oh, yeah, that was gone at the tailgate. Actually, the one bottle we had was gone within like 30 minutes on the bus heading down there. (laughs) But 
Yeah. That is also true. Yeah. That was um, maybe done before we left the uh I don't even think we left Madison. We, we were still at we were still at we were still at the uh at the dealership getting <laughs> the getting getting the battery fixed or whatever it was. Probably a good place to, to wrap up. Uh Kyle, thanks for, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh we're gonna talk to Elliot in a couple of weeks because we're gonna do some hashtag cross content with the River City ninety three guys. We're gonna do a season preview with them. Uh, before the the big match on the on the twenty eighth and and put that together, um, so that should be you know pretty cool. And then uh, Dan, usually this is the point of the program where I say to you, Dan, do you want to add any last words? And you go, no, no, no. And then you go, yes. So we are putting in a new segment, Dan Fallon's. You know what really grinds my gears? What is it, Dan? We need more reviews and more likes. And more follows on all the platforms that I don't know the names of. Come on, people. Let's get on there. This will help me sell a sponsorship that I can show somebody that wants to sponsor this podcast all of the throngs of fans. We have one review, I think, we, from I don't Liam. Think we want, I don't think we want more reviews. No, I... I I, I mean, am, we have a perfect five-star rating, so I don't want to risk that. I, I am say you're, you're probably going to get one hater that's going to give you one star just because. I'm not on any of these platforms anymore, and I, even though I'm a delicate flower, now I won't read these. So that's, you, that's want, true. Yeah, you want me to be tortured at night. Yes. It also seems like there's a podcast vacuum, because if you haven't noticed, I think we've gotten so good that the podcast that shall not be named, they haven't put out an episode in a while. So are you hoping to move us up from the third most popular uh, podcast in Madison? I, what, what was ahead of us? Uh, the podcast that shall not be named and the other podcast that shall not be named. <laughs> the podcast that shall no not longer, be named. That, yeah, that, that no, no longer, longer exists. exists. Oh, that, that decided one. decided to send yeah. every, to go out and burn the bridge down. We're, we're bridge builders here. We are bridge builders. Speak for yourself, Dan. We're also stone cutters. <laughs> if I'm a fire starter, <laughs> I should Mason. probably not be around this bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, a metal bridge. It's, it's a metal it's bridge. A, Suspension it's a, bridge. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. You know so come on, people. Get out there. there Show us the love. It, and it's from Liam. These guys are funny. That's on Facebook. We have a we have an Apple podcast. <laughs> oh, no, I don't on Apple. I, there's one. Oh, I don't like Polish, this because every Polish transition. Yeah, translation. translation yeah, I, I don't like this because every podcast asks for people to review and rate them. I don't want your reviews. I don't want your ratings. I don't care about your opinion <laughs> of this show. I'm gonna keep showing up, putting up with Dan's shit every week, no matter how you review us. So don't review us. That was terrible. I'm canceling that segment. Just give it five stars, and if you give it four stars, you're a hater. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle, this for joining us. Here. <laughs> and I think Kyle might be coming back maybe occasionally to maybe uh, yeah, help uh, us out. Yeah, we, we, we're going to talk about that off air. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but not up the, up the hill at the village because, uh, Dan, where are you off to tonight? I am still on the concert quest. I'm off to see uh, Wilco, which I believe producer, former producer Hannah referred to as America's greatest dad rock band. Um, I'd like to remind young Hannah that they put out one of the most uh, highly regarded albums of the aughts back when she was probably still in middle school. So yes, still. we'll go we'll at the, uh, at the Sylvie tonight. Awesome. I think this is concert 35. So I'm almost at 40 getting Good very, Lord. very close. <laughs> so until next time we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards green. Call her flamingo Cause her head glows like the sun And her eyes can light the sky
uh, yeah. Oh, because he talks to some. Air, we can we can talk about that one. Well, yeah, not surprised. We've got some good jokes, but yeah. they will not make it to the air. I hope not. <laughs> I mean, they they may not for you. I don't give a shit. 